0: Hey everyone, welcome to God, Growth, and Gap We are three guys in our 20s that want to share with you our journey in developing big projects in our areas of small church ministry. Join us as we DIY our vision for the future and how we can help ministry leaders dream big on a small budget together. I'm Nathan. I'm Josh. And I'm Dylan. And we are glad to have you here.
1: What is up, God, growth, and gaffers? Hey, we want to welcome you back to another week. This is Josh, Nate, and Dylan, and we are so happy to have you guys here with us. Um, today, we are talking about the big, the bad, and the ugly of going with the flow and improving our way through ministry. <laughs> Which... Happens more often than I think it should, or you ever plan that it will. Yes, uh, true. Yes, it does. Uh, and so I want to ask you guys a question as we're starting off this this podcast, this episode, which is part of our name is Gaff, right? Mm. Part of our name is just sticking things together and praying that they work. <laughs> so I want to ask, what is something in your guys's life where you've absolutely just thrown it together and miraculously it worked i would have to say probably all of my undergraduate experience (laughs) um
0: (laughs) i'm sorry if you're listening to this any of my professors but uh, as a young freshman straight out of high school i was not very good at balancing my academic life and my social life Mm -hmm. and my sleep So there was a lot of moments where it was like, Hey, I'm going to hang out with my friends and Oh snap, it's two in the morning. And I have a paper due at seven and class at eight. (laughs) And so (laughs) it was a lot of just slapping things together, but Hey, here I am now with a bachelor's degree. And so I will say this though, I'm doing a lot better in my master's program, way more disciplined and focused. Um, so I have grown from that
2: life. He's just scared that one of his master's professors is listening, that's all. <laughs> they are. Joke's <laughs> on you. Nice. I'm actually going to go the ministry route for this one, and I'd say um, just learning the stuff that I know now, because I was when I first started, I was just like um, a slides operator, so like the overhead screens, uh, press through the presentation, basically. And now, I mean, I know lighting stuff, how cords work, and like how to wire things, and... It was all on the fly. Yeah, super gaffed together. <laughs> yeah, literally.
1: Uh, Nate, I'd probably have to agree with you, Um, but in, in in a specific example, we one time I had an an essay due the next morning. You know, at, like you said, at eight o'clock or whatever, <laughs> and I had a worship night about an hour from from campus, and so. You know, the worship night got done late or it was practice or something, you know, and it it got done pretty late. I was driving back maybe at midnight or whatever and this thing was due at at 8 a.m. And I was like, well, crap, when am I going to write this essay? And so what I did was took out my phone, I talked to Texted on the way back, (laughs) and I wrote an entire three-page essay just talking into my phone and turned it in and got... I think an A on it, and that was probably the best use of just throwing something together that I've ever had in my entire life.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of all the times that you and I had those all-nighters here at the church to write a paper that we had well over like three weeks to write, and then we waited to the last four days. (laughs) Wow, this is highly entertaining. So yes, improv, as you can tell, has been very instrumental in our lives. Um, And I think it translates very well into the life of the church. When you're a leader, when you have pastoral authority, um, I think so often we come in with this idea that what we say is going to go, you know, whatever we will happens, whatever we snap our fingers, what we desire will be done. But what we wanted to start with in discussing with this episode is that actually quite the opposite is supposed to happen. When you enter into this ministry role, when you embody the leadership for the church, the first thing that you really want to actually do is come to realities with the fact that you're not the leader, you're the steward. You're not the one who's willing and getting things done. I mean, in a way, people will look up to you in that, and that's where the difficulty arises of the balance between people expect me to get it done, but also God's the boss in this. I'm not in charge. I'm doing what he wants me to do. So I have to go to him as people are coming to me. Mm-hmm. And so what we wanted to start off and, and say is just that if you enter into this position believing that, you know, my dreams and my will and what I design, what I envision for the church is going to get done, hmm. we're just going to burst your bubble right right now in the beginning yeah. and just say, you got to let that go, man. Yeah. That, that's just not how, you know, from our experience hmm. and from discussing with other ministry leaders, like... That's,
1: that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, the verse that can you know, sum up this that we're going to kind of focus on for today is one that a lot of people know, but it's, it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Mm. And that's don't trust on your own understanding, but in always acknowledge him and he will set your path straight. Mm. Uh, right? And that we can, we can trust on our own will and our own understanding for so far right? We can, we can trust on ourselves to do the work that he's equipped us for and to get to church, right? <laughs> to, to do, um, part of, part of our job. Obviously that's why we're called into mm. ministry, but our own understanding can only take us so far and we can't mm-hmm. trust on just what we think is, is the goal and the, the, the mission for the church. And so, Nate, you know, as you were saying, we can't get stuck in in realizing that we know best because we know that's not true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we we know we only know so far, and our our own wisdom, like I said, God has equipped us for, yeah, um, and equipped us with. But that is ultimately in His will, in which He's guiding us and setting our paths already for us.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to, to not get lost on the opposite end of that, where. You know, you tell yourself, "Well, then, nothing that I do matters, and and I have no contribution, and I don't do anything. It's all God." Yes, God's leading, but also the reason of your calling is to place you in a position where He has prepared you with your talents and skills, like we talked about a few weeks ago, to then steward what He's calling you to do. It, It it's this kind of balance that I think theologians, Christians, pastors all struggle with. It's almost like a paradox where, yes, God is in control and he has authority, but that doesn't negate your responsibility. And I think that's where, you know, when we come into the practice of balancing the authority and the responsibility that God has in our lives and that we carry in response to his authority, that's when we can kind of start to see like, hey, I have to let go of some of these things that I think I have to do or I I desire to get done, but it's not what God wants. But also, the things that he makes clear and known, I have to do, and I have to do it because I love him, because he loves me. Right. And so it's just, you know, we just want to be straightforward and just say it is a hard juggle. You know, I think for some people, it's taken years. I know for us as newbies on the block, you know, it's been something that we've learned and have thankfully been made aware of early on. Yeah, for sure. But it's
1: just one of those where you have to come to terms with that truth yeah i want I want to ask you guys another question, which is, have you had an experience in ministry yourself where you've tried to go one specific way right and and ultimately God kind of changed the direction on you um, mm. and you've had to adapt
2: I'd say uh when I first started learning things um like just learning skills uh, that I needed to be a tech director um I went into this job thinking like I was going to be some sort of big hill song type tech director and have the biggest lights and like the biggest tech. Cause it's, it's really fascinating to me. Like all of the operations on such a big level and how they work and all of that analytical stuff. And I was just like super determined, like I'll be here and I'll like t- train somebody else to be tech director. And then I'll like apply at a bunch of mega churches and be like, Just keep working your way up the ladder, (laughs) right? Just keep because I was so used to like the corporate ladder and everybody wants to climb it. Um, but then I felt a very, very strong tug to well, one, not do that. Um, (laughs) and two, I'm here for a reason, Mm -hmm. and there's just been a lot of things even this year that have like blown my expectations out of the water and has really switched my opinion on that. It's not even like my priority now, um, it's more so what's God having me do through this place? And uh, every just taking it day by day and month by month, what's God gonna have me do? Where can I further help?
0: Yeah, I think that's such a good example. And I think even for myself, uh, I'd say the biggest one was when we were transitioning with our youth group leadership, and I was asked to take the youth group and take it in headed a direction and for myself, I have no youth ministry experience besides being in youth group myself. And so, you know, I walked in like, oh, I'll just come up with this big scheme of, of doing this one way that I've always known and done it and, and just said like, hey, this is going to work because I've seen it work. And I just remember as we were developing the youth group team and, you know, I'm trying to build together leaders and kind of sell this idea. I just remember God was just saying and, and as we were praying about it, just, hey, start from the place where you're at. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't mm-hmm. try and build this ginormous thing from nothing, but start small and work big. And so now with the direction of our youth group that we're doing, and I, you know, I feel the rotation that we have and, and the layout and the purpose and intent and mission, You know, having to be reminded and pretty much humbled where it's like you, you have to remember, you don't know what you're doing, so trust me, I think has really helped our youth group be where it is now. And so for myself, I'd say that's what it was, is just thinking I knew nothing and then realizing I don't know anything. And, from <laughs> and there, now I know that I don't know yeah, anything. <laughs> coming to terms with the fact
1: that I'm not the most equipped for this position. That's good. That's good stuff. I mean, that leads right into our next you know, point, which is things happen last minute and things happen that we fully don't expect. You know, um, we work in a in a place right that's fully reliant on other people and Mm. and we if we tried to do a sunday morning if we tried to do ministry at all with only the staff that we have in the office on a normal week nothing would get done
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) yep (laughs) we we don't we simply just don't have enough you know we can't i can only play one instrument at a time (laughs) no matter how hard i try yep (laughs) uh Dylan, you can only work so many things in the booth, <laughs> even though you work like nine a Sunday. Uh, uh,
2: maybe sometimes, yeah. And
1: and Nate, you can't be every other place in the church trying to talk to every single person, you right. know. Mm-hmm. And you can't be leading a youth group with just you. Although <laughs> I'd please like to see don't you ever try. Do that to me. Please,
2: please. <laughs> So 15
1: junior hires and just you, that would be
2: we're taking next week awesome. off right here.
1: <laughs> Good. And that's when I'd go on one vacation and not come back. <laughs> so so we, we exist, you know, in a in a place where we have to have other people you know, to do our job with us, right? Mm-hmm. And to, and to do ministry with us. But stuff happens, you know, and we right now are in the summertime in our, in our church. And, you know, whenever you're listening to this, we're recording this in like mid June. And summertime here is difficult. uh, I'll say Mm. because I know some small churches and if your church is like this, that's, that's awesome. You know, some small churches I know have the same exact people every single week Mm. doing every single, you know, part of a part of the volunteer schedule. It's the same person at the Welcome Center. It's the same exact worship team, the same exact production team, the same exact ushers and blah, 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 and like everything. And it's it's always the same people. And that's great that you have such committed people to 52 weeks a year doing the same thing. But that's just not how we operate here. We have families who have kids in baseball, who go on vacations, who have graduations. You know, we have... a a bunch of busy families that, that do everything for us. And so when it gets in the summertime and you have people going to Disney world (laughs) and, Mm. and people in softball and everything, it's hard to figure out how are we going to do this thing? How are we going to do Sunday mornings? Mm. You know? And so I think what we've had to adapt a lot is how (laughs) do, do we work with, you know, volunteers canceling last minute or volunteers getting sick
2: yeah, and I'd say one uh, way that we've done this before is let's say you've got uh, a full band, so like you got bass, electric, um, drums, all that, and both like the bass player and the drummer calls in at the same time. Uh, essentially, what we've done before is like an acoustic, just a strip down set. Even though we're like a modern full-production type of church, um, where sometimes we'll just have to adapt, yeah. and uh, we sometimes it's just kind of. It's unexpected, um, but it's sometimes fruitful to um, just kind of do these simple sets and kind of remind everybody that um, sometimes it's okay to just strip things down and uh, not worry about all the extra stuff. Um, And over the summer for us, I feel like it's more frequent, and it's both a good reminder but also uh, a really easy thing for small churches to do um, and a way to just keep service going forward and make sure worship is still there.
1: What I've what I've come to realize when that happens is people don't get upset, <laughs> you right. know, that, that you don't have a bass player and a drummer and, and you don't have full tracks and everything like that for a service. People aren't gonna come up to you and say, What was that? I thought we were a modern church. <laughs> you know <laughs> one, no one's ever gonna say that. But <laughs> two, true. it almost sounds like sometimes when that happens, the voices in the congregation take up, mm-hmm. you know, they take over and they carry what you're missing. Yeah. Um, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it's uh if it's a logical thing that people do that say, "Oh, this isn't supposed to be like this." So let me sing louder. I don't think that's that's true. I think it's the spirit in the room is, "Hey, we're going to we're going to push through," right? Mm-hmm. We're not just going to say, hey, "Oh, service is done. We don't have a drummer." <laughs> you know, um <laughs> right. we're going to we're going to push through. We're going to usher in the spirit of God, and I think people see that. Mm. They see, "Oh, this Maybe it's not going perfectly as planned, but I still sense God in this room. And a lot of times, you know, like I said, it seems like people sing louder. It seems like there's more hands raised. It seems like um, just the the mood of the room almost sometimes is more spiritually oriented, hmm. with a soft little set that you would never imagine, yeah. you know, having for a song like that.
2: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even too on the hospitality side, like one thing that I'm always amazed about is, you know, we have people who cancel last minute and that sometimes, you know, puts us in a pickle. Sometimes there's reasons, sometimes they just don't. Um but what always amazes me is oftentimes when that happens I'm just like, Okay, I'll just put that on my shoulders, you know, it's just another responsibility. I'm running around. But I've always found the beauty of other people who are aware of the needs and I'm not saying just to like always, you know, oh, it's always going to be handled, but it just seems that it always comes down to the fact that when there's people in the church that you're connected with and, and, and building into and pouring into, they really know, they almost start to watch you and then they care for you in that way. And so like I think about for myself, you know, a lot of times I'm in charge of cleaning up the coffee afterwards and, you know, I'm already doing 50 other things and connecting with people. And then I show up and I see, you know, some of our leaders who aren't even on that week or, or just see there's a need and they get it done. And I'm just mm-hmm. always amazed and, and just always humbled at the fact that, you know, I think sometimes if we get too comfortable with our routine, we get so caught up in this idea of like, we have to execute, we have to do this well and have it done well, or people are going to say something or, or do something but what they do is instead just help and plug in, and I always just think that's beautiful, same kind of with uh the worship stuff that you guys
1: were talking about. I think the the coolest thing that I've seen in the last little you know last maybe month or so is last week we had a communion service, and the people um I think you had four ushers or four four people to hand out communion you know that day and we're we're in a church of of 200 ish.
2: Yeah.
1: And we only had, I mean, people canceled and I think we had one person to hand out because of sickness and everything. And and we had one person to hand out communion. And so I asked someone from the worship team who was a vocalist who was supposed to sing the song afterwards, like, Hey, would you mind just running down, throwing out communion and coming back on stage? And he said, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And so still that was only two people to hand out communion to, a service of 120 or whatever amount of people. Right. And I mean, that would have taken (laughs) forever. Right. And so, but we had no other option and they start handing it out and all of a sudden two other guys stand up and they said, they see that there's only, there's only two of them and they stand up and start helping. Hmm. And it was just, I mean, no one asked them to, it was in the middle of service Wow. And they just stand up and they they grab the plates and they start moving backwards. And I was I was standing there getting ready to to play the next song, and I was like, wow, yeah. that's that's the church being, the church, yeah. right? That huh. they didn't get scheduled on planning center to do that, they didn't get talked to before service, you know, to ask if they could do it. They just simply saw a need, and did it. And I think sometimes that's, I mean, that's the biggest example of, of the church being the body of Christ. Mm. Right. Because that was, it was such an improv and, (laughs) and from a, from a particular, uh, you know, uh, uh, perfectionist, perfectionist. Thank you. From a perfectionist (laughs) standpoint, it was a nightmare (laughs) because it it would have been, it would have been 20 minutes of, of handing down these communion plates and everything and service would have gone long into the next one and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But from a ministry perspective, it was, holy cow, look at, these, look at these people standing up and just doing it without being, without being asked to. Yeah, wow.
0: Um,
1: but I, th- I think we've had a lot of situations like that, and sometimes they can be very funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny looking back, but stressful in the moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think about, you know, as, as we talk about sickness, one time our pastor called me at 5 a.m. on Sunday morning and said, Hey, I'm super sick, can't get out of bed, can't do anything. Mm. I'm not going to be able to preach this morning. It's the first time he's done that in, in 30 years. Right. And Nate, who, who preaches pretty often for us, he was out of town that weekend. <laughs> and I couldn't just swing it on any of the rest of our, of our teaching team. So I had to give the sermon. <laughs> and oh, that was a fun time. Uh, mm. it, was a, it was a Christmas service, and it was supposed to be... Uh, it was Christmas at the movies, and so it was supposed mm. to be talking about the Polar Express, and I don't know anything about that movie.
2: I saw it one time when I was five, and I Which know... Which
0: is a synonym of
1: itself. Man. That's
2: like a classic. <laughs> Wait, okay, so this Christmas season, we're like all watching the Polar Express. So it's you know June. That. We're
1: not talking about Polar Express right now. <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> so, so I know nothing about that movie, so I, I had to find another... Series in that week, and just kind of guess and talked about Home Alone and Joseph and whatever. I it was mm. it was I've written a lot of sermons for uh, for school and for youth group that I've that I've given them in and everything, and I know how to do it. I'm not mm. I'm not a pastor. I don't do it very often, but I know how to do it. And I had to also lead worship that morning, <laughs> so it was it was getting here practicing with the band and then sitting down for about 30 minutes before service and trying to write a sermon. Hmm. And (laughs) it was the worst thing ever. It was horrible. (sighs) I looking back at it, I could not stand listening to myself talk. I whatever it was, it was terrible. But afterwards, so many people came up and was like, great job. I didn't know you preached all these things. And I was like, what the heck are you talking about? I didn't know (laughs) what I was saying at all dude said me neither (laughs) literally (laughs) but the church it seems like when when they know that something's off and i obviously said you know pastor was sick and and that i had to step in Mm -hmm. and when they know something's off people are so receptive right Mm -hmm. to to change and they're um well, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say that yeah. eventually, but they're they're gracious, they're, they're gracious when things mm-hmm. don't go as planned, right? Yeah. And so, would I have had two weeks to work on that sermon, and that's the th- something I gave, I would have been chewed out because it would have mm. been, <laughs> been terrible. Uh-huh. But but the church is so easy to forgive when something goes terribly wrong, and I think as people in full time ministry, it's so hard for us to understand that. Because our hmm. our goal is to make a service spot on, right? Yeah. Our goal is to make it seamless, to to make it seem like nothing nothing could ever go wrong, and that it's it's obviously our goal is all about bringing glory to God, right? And so we don't want any distractions in the way, but sometimes those distractions are inevitable, mm-hmm. and we have to understand that it's not the end of the world if something like that arises. <laughs>
2: I'd say a perfect example of uh, the people being super forgiving and uh, just kind of shrugging something off is it was right when we started to do in, like inside services again because we were doing them outside during COVID. Um, this is like late 2020. And we, uh, we did like full production uh, and we were using tracks. Well, uh, one of our volunteers decided to start the wrong track three times over. And eventually we just had to stop. Like we couldn't just go through that because like different keys and super, super clashing notes. Mm. Um, but afterwards, you just kind of made like, hey, uh, something's wrong, you know, and the congregation just kind of shrugged it off. You heard some laughs. Um, and then we did we like, do I, did we use the track after that or just kind of cut it? I can't even remember. Honestly, but <laughs> I think the point of it is the congregation was exactly that. So forgiving. And even though it was, like, the super distorted, like, sound, um, everybody was just so receptive to quickly shrug it off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that speaks a lot to what it looks like when we have to rely on the guidance of God. It it just reminds us that we are imperfect people trying to pull off perfect things (laughs) for the Lord. And, you know, I'm reminded so often that, you know, God just calls us as we are and where we're at. Um, obviously, he's going to lead us and grow us into more, but he's not naive to the fact of our current standings. And I think so often mm. we try hard to be ahead of where we are or better than what we think we are. But so often, we're especially in leadership in the church, we're just reminded, like, no, dude, <laughs> I want to meet you where you're at. Uh, and, the you know, God's not asking for us to pull off a perfect production and... It's not production. It's just people being together to worship Him. And I think when we can teach that, when we can lead others to see that and know that, and even ourselves to know that, how much it changes the environment to make a community that feels like family. Hmm. And when we have a community that feels like family, it's the people that we always least expect that just start to pop up and do things and lead and care. And I think even some of the stories that we've shared this far is, is testament to that, you know, about people that, we connected with a few times or they're newer and yet they, you know, have no problem jumping right in. They have no problem helping out and loving and, and saying, Hey, where can I be? And other times I think it's just learned the people that we least expect to say yes are the ones that do it. Hmm. You know, I think for myself on the hospitality team, you know, always looking for new people to just serve and jump in and, and just as as a way to get them plugged in, 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 in the task that's so people orientated you know, I get nervous. I'm like, uh, you know, is is the extrovert going to, or the introvert wanting to be the door greeter, Mm. you know, but you ask them, you're like, Hey, would you be willing? And they're like, Oh yeah, actually Mm. that sounds super exciting. Mm. You're like, what the heck? (laughs) I thought you didn't want to talk to anybody. It was, you look nervous seeing me approaching, you you know, (laughs) but it's Mm. just a reminder that so often we are, um, just surprised by what God is doing in the hearts of other people. But even more so just in front of us, you know, I think we, we have to learn to continue to place our expectations not on what we want, but what God has. And when we do that, it's the people that we least expect.
1: Well, I mean, every one of us is the people we should least expect, right? Hmm. Ain't that the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. I, I mean, I, I would not expect looking back to be in a position where I can, in a, in a way, in quotations, speak for God. Mm. You know. I see what you mean. Um, I, I wouldn't ever say that I'm reliable or worthy enough of of being in a position where I can usher people into the presence of God. You know, because mm. I'm a sinner. <laughs> we we all are. Wait, what? No. I'm just <laughs> and so so each and every one of us is the people that we should least expect and especially if you're looking at yourself, you mm-hmm. should be the one that you least expect. Oh yeah. to to be able to do ministry and to be able to do the work of God. That's good.
2: Yeah, and as we're wrapping up, I'd say one thing to just kind of leave you guys with is there's some changes that you don't have to make absolutely public. Um things that like a lot of stuff I could say this as a staff, like a lot of stuff happens behind the scenes that um, you don't have to like yell everything from the rooftops per se. Um, and it's just things like changes on a day to day service or um, like small creative differences. Cause I mean, we are in charge of a lot of creative stuff and it's just kind of our job to make everything look good, make everything sound good. Um, but the small changes don't always have to be so public. And if they're not, people are not going to notice because services for the most part are going to operate the same way, Mm -hmm. um, just from a Sunday to Sunday basis. And, um, it's just one of those things that you don't have to make super obvious.
1: Yeah. I would, I would say that when there's things that people don't already know, there's no reason to say them because it, Hmm. it just makes your church and your staff sound like they're figuring it out, you know? And right. so from, mm-hmm. a, from a staff perspective to other staff of, of ministry, mm-hmm. your congregation doesn't need to know every single tiny tiny like, little detail that's yeah. changed, right? They don't need to know, hey, this was a sermon series that we were going to do. Forget it. We're, <laughs> we're going to actually do this one instead. Right. Or they don't need to know, first service went long, so we had to cut a song. Yeah. And so second service, sorry, we're only doing three or we're not going to do this announcement in second service or we're blah, 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 blah. The, the, the stories are endless. But at that point, you don't have to say all of the flaws mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that happen mm-hmm. on the other 40 hours of the work week in ministry other than a Sunday because people don't care, <laughs> first <laughs> off. And when we say those things, like I said, it just makes people understand, oh, this isn't working very fluid. Yeah. There's there's some kinks in the, in the road here. Yeah. And people don't need to know that. We've talked about it already that when things are very obvious and <laughs> uh, the pastor calls in sick on a Sunday morning or the wrong track is played or blah, 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 that, yeah, people know those things and they're going to be okay with it. But when things don't need to be said, they don't need to be said. <laughs> right,
2: exactly.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good balance between being transparent, and being honest, and then p- pulling every piece of dirty laundry out where it's like, oh, guys, if you would have seen what we had planned and all, how much has changed, like, you wouldn't believe it. Like Dylan was going to use this font for the slide. Could you imagine? Yeah. It's <laughs> so disappointing. I think it's a balance of just being transparent without having to... Because I think there's a point when things start to change or, or you have to adjust things that it almost feels like you're trying to throw blame out there. Mm. or are just creating an environment where it's like, well, we would have done this, but so-and-so had to change this and do that. And it's just it's just not necessary. Right. It no.
2: doesn't matter right. as much as we
0: think it does. And, and that's what I think really the heart of this episode is really trying to get at. It's just discern what really is important in in making it happen, and what else you just have to learn to let go and, and let God, not trying to be cheesy. <laughs> but it's just one of those where you have to be willing to to take that humble stance of like, these are the things that I care about, and these are the things that I'm willing to protect, but also I don't have to make it known every time we do something wrong. But when it is known, you know, just embrace it with grace and humility, mm. and, and that's really just where the heart of this is at, is just you know, not everything needs to be hung out and not everything needs to be
2: tucked in. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And that brings us to our last question of the day. So if you guys were to just for one day um, play on a band and you have full like skill set of whatever instrument so you, you can like match their level, um, play on a worship band specifically, which one would you play on?
0: Maverick City Music, final answer.
1: <laughs> nice. That's a good one. Hmm. That's a very good one.
0: I don't need to explain. That's fair. Don't even act like you have to think about it. You know you're going to pick Brandon Lake, Josh.
1: Get out of here. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to pick. Okay, good. but I'm specifically going to pick anytime they do an Elevation worship recording so that mm-hmm. it's Brandon Lake, Chandler Moore, uh, all of the Elevation band. Uh, I don't know, anyone else. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick specifically one of those nights. I respect wow, are you in
0: music... Uh, coordinator, worship director, worship pastor, Wor- music coordinator, w- red director, pastor. <laughs> yeah.
2: music coordinator is your new title. All right. I would have to go with red rocks worship oh, mm-hmm. all around fire. musically. They're just so well balanced. I feel like, and they're, they have like this way of really getting like the congregation to worship. Um, it, it feels like no matter what song, it's just easy to follow. It's all just so well balanced. So I yeah, love them. That's fine. That's good stuff. All right, and with that, I'm going to close this out with prayer. Father God, we thank you for bringing us here today and uh, allowing us to show that it's not always going to go to plan um, and allowing us to just share our own experiences with that and really to teach people that it's your will, not our will. Uh, We thank you for this opportunity to be in this position and uh, thank you for choosing us. Amen. Amen.